0: to the Silpnir Pool. I'm Diana. Uh, I'm Andrew. And we are a podcast for the in-depth and semi-serious discussion of the Young Adults sci-fi book series Animorphs. Uh, In case this is your first time reading the Animorphs, we divide our show into a spoiler-free and spoiler-intensive section, so get excited for that. Nice. Thank you. And uh, what are we discussing today?
1: Today we're discussing Animorphs number five, The Predator. Um, I guess we could talk about the cover. It's Marco morphing into a gorilla. Um, The tagline is, what you see isn't always what you get. I guess that seems pretty standard. His hair is really interesting, I gotta say. It's it's not a standard haircut. It's kind of like the haircut that I had. And it looked (laughs) really bad on me. And
0: what haircut was that for our listeners who aren't looking at the cover?
1: This is the haircut where you kind of just let your hair grow because you don't want your mom to give you a bowl cut. Although that's obviously not Marco's case.
0: (laughs) Well, I was going to say maybe that's fitting for his kind of life situation because...
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's actually a good point. His life is
0: kind of like nobody's giving him bowl cuts.
1: Definitely not his mom. Okay. The inside cover is him as a gorilla in an alleyway somewhere.
0: Oh, I don't think I've seen that. Oh, that, that must be the opening scene then.
1: Yeah, yeah. Wow, my, I forgot about books yeah. that do the
0: whole like hole in the cover thing.
1: That's awesome. My um my hard copy says Cool Animorphs Decal inside. So, Is
0: that pronounced decal?
1: I don't know. How would you say it?
0: I usually call it a decal. Oh,
1: it's probably decal. Yeah, Cool Animorphs Decal inside. What's with... the decal? I think it's gone, but I think it was this.
0: It's a giant sticker. It's a giant round sticker that says the Yerks are around us.
1: Um, And has directions with how to iron this onto your clothes.
0: That is pretty cool. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Did you, wait, did you get the decal?
1: No, I got this book used. Um, I got it used. Sorry.
0: That's pretty cool though.
1: I guess, are we ready?
0: Well, so this is book five.
1: Right. The Predator.
0: It was first published in December, 1996. The song that I was really excited about, I don't know if you remember, but last episode, I was really excited about the next episode because I thought that it was going to be November 1996, during which time the number one song was No Diggity. Oh. By Blackstreet, featuring Dr. Dre. Okay. However, that's not the case. Now we're past that and into Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton, which is kind of different. Okay. But anyway, so that sets right. the mood. Hopefully,
1: all right. I'm at 1996 right now. I feel pretty pretty 1996.
0: 1996-ed. Um, so I guess what happens in this book?
1: Okay. Well, we start off uh, chapter one. My name is Marco. The first few chapters are where the narrating animorph just kind of recaps everything that's happened yeah, in the series in classic just animorphs form. Exactly. Yeah. So I think the general form is that they're using their powers in their outside life, Mm -hmm. sometimes for their own good, oftentimes for the good of others. Um, So in this case, it's Marco is returning home from the grocery store. Uh, He hears an old man getting jumped by some punks, uh, and then he morphs gorilla and kind of throws him around.
0: I think he says the word punks like three times.
1: Then he saves the old man, and the old man. Well, like,
0: wait, hold on. Are okay. we going to talk about the opening at all?
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about it.
0: He's walking home from Seven Eleven. Oh,
1: actually, this is in my notes with low fat milk. Yeah, and bread, bread and peanut M and M's. Yeah, so this reminded me of you. Cause, I know it did remind me of me because Marco um,
0: has Marco's favorite candy is correct.
1: <laughs> right, uh, peanut M and M's. Um, anyway, I don't know. So what I thought, it thought is.
0: that was, but also like Marco is the only one of the Antwars who would ever be doing anything like this oh you know what yeah. I mean? like none of them they're all provided for by their family let's just put it that way yeah none of them would ever be asked to go to the store for like basic food items yeah you know I so agree. i thought that was you know telling and we're gonna hear a lot about marco's life in this book
1: okay so after he saves the old man he, the old man shoots at marco i guess there's gratitude for you
0: then cut oh, to
1: cut to him at school
0: yeah, are they at school? I guess that's what it is.
1: Yeah, so he's explaining himself to the rest of the Animorphs at school. So this I thought was interesting because in the middle of the conversation he's having with Jake, he like mentions the fact that he turned into a gorilla. Mm-hmm. And then Jake is like, oh, you shouldn't be turned into gorillas. And that's when Marco launches into the like, dear reader, you may have been wondering.
0: I also loved his exposition. I know. It was so great.
1: So I actually had this thought. Normally, I think that exposition is woven into the narration a little bit more, but here he goes through the whole the whole shebang. Like Jake's my best friend, Cassie is his sometime lover, <laughs> Rachel is her best friend. Tobias was a dweeb, now's a hawk, and so he goes through that straight. And I was thinking that that would only be possible with Marco because his narrative voice is so funny. If Tobias was talking at you for two to three pages, or, or Cassie was, you'd be like...
0: Oh. Yeah. I, Do you mind I, that? I thought when I was reading this that it was following the same formula as the other characters. Yeah. But I guess he's probably, he's the first one who gave the whole... He like basically did the whole scene over again. Like the whole first book. He was like, yeah, this is what what things were like back then there's like jake he was like this jake and i are best friends i didn't really know tobias that well he was friends with jake because of this we all went to the construction site together but blah, blah, blah. like he did tell the whole story in a way that was like kind of new it's interesting because i kind of got the sense that it was another kind of following the same blueprint
1: it is woven in because that occurs in like the middle of a scene but like that exposition is three to four pages long mm-hmm. at least in my copy when i think it's normally like Oh, then I saw Cassie, exposition about Cassie, moving on. Mm -hmm. Then I saw Rachel, exposition about Rachel.
0: Yeah, I guess I don't know, but that is interesting.
1: Okay. So I wanted to ask you uh, about his description of Cassie. I don't know if this is the time for this, Um, but he describes Cassie as the least like me. If I'm comedy, she's poetry. Go. Well... Is this the time for this or should we just... Can
0: I can I look at it in the book? Do you have it in the book? Yeah. Okay. I... <laughs> I think this says a lot about Marco. Can I, can I just read it? Yes, please. Cassie is the one who is least like me. If I'm comedy, she's poetry. She's a natural peacemaker. She's the one who knows when you're feeling bad and will find something nice to say that makes you feel better. And it's not like she's manipulating. She really cares about things. She's like sincere or something nice which what does that say about marco now yeah that he's um, manipulative not sincere and he doesn't really care about making people feel better right
1: i'm not saying i'm the manipulative and insincere i'm I'm just just saying saying... this
0: other person who's really nice is so the opposite of me
1: (laughs) anyway i thought that was really good um i just i just like that if i'm comedy she's poetry but also thought it's kind of like a weird Yeah, well,
0: I feel like.
1: Like, comedy and poetry aren't what I think of when I think of two opposite things.
0: Yeah, first of all, I don't think those are opposites at all. Second of all, I don't think the comedy poetry contrast relates to his, to what it sounds like he's saying, which is like, she's nice and cares about making people feel good, and I'm manipulative and don't care about making people feel. Those are two very different ideas.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, on the surface, it's very deep, though.
0: I mean, I, I still agree that Marco is comedy and Cassie's poetry. Yeah. But um, I was going to talk about, well, no. Okay. So Jake has everyone go. They're all going to visit Axe.
1: Who wants to go home.
0: Correct. Which is, yeah, which I like forgot. Yeah. That that, that that whole thing was going on that he like wanted to go home.
1: I mean, he's 82 light years away. So they're at Axe's place. Axe is cute. I wouldn't know being a guy. Just saying.
0: Oh, yeah, that was good. He's a really pretty guy or a kind of unattractive girl. <laughs> <laughs> but he is a guy, so that means that he's, so he's a, just really a really pretty, pretty guy. guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Maybe he just identifies as, as a really pretty guy.
0: I mean, he chose that gender. He That's said, true, right? yeah. He was like,
1: I want to be stunning.
0: Yeah. Axe is like Looking acting on. All... a more
1: attractive version of myself.
0: He's also, like, talking about being a warrior and, like, honor and all this stuff, and it's just interesting because they don't know Axe that well at this point, and, like, mm-hmm. he's being very soldierly, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, so they're all talking about the the prospect of possibly stealing a York ship so that Axe can go home. So they decide they're going to make a transmitter. To send a distress signal in order to get the parts they need, they're going to go to Radio Shack. Uh-oh. I was thinking during this scene, Mm-hmm. it's too bad that they don't have cell phones.
1: <laughs> yeah. Know? Well, I was thinking nowadays they'd be like, oh, let's order some parts on the internet.
0: Yeah, sure. Well, cause Do I you guys have Prime? Is Radio
1: Shack dead?
0: Actually, I don't know. That's a good question. It
1: might be dead. I don't know. Um. Anyway. Oh.
0: So yeah, Rip. so so this was like a whole thing just couldn't happen.
1: Yeah. Now. Oh, I have a further point. Oh yeah. So they they have this really detailed plan for executing this mission where they procure supplies from Radio Oh Check. yeah,
0: they're like we're going to catch the 10:15 bus and then we're going to And
1: then Marco is like something will go wrong. And he has a good point because their plan relies on them catching a bus. And I think if your plan needs the bus to be somewhere at a certain time, that's just a plan that's well but that's, that's not true because shoddy.
0: tobias is looking at the bus and it's that's running true. exactly on time
1: he's like that live um that
0: the app the, he's yeah, like the, the transit app, app.
1: he's the transit app
0: yeah that's true that's <laughs> which is a very useful job
1: i know i mean he's Good better plans. at it than you know the actual transit app
0: i don't know that you're you're bringing politics into this again
1: all right i won't there's no need to to, to talk transit <laughs>
0: Anyway, so they have this very detailed plan that involves going to the mall. Acts morphs, morphs a human in preparation to board the bus. Yeah. He just can't hang. He starts doing that thing where he repeats the ends of words. Yeah. And they're like, don't do that. Don't do that while we're at the mall, okay? Then he
1: does it for the rest of the series. And he just keeps spoilers. doing it
0: forever. So they they, t- they get to the mall, and immediately the first thing that happens is they lose acts.
1: Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Which
0: is great. And then um, I guess they find out that he was at, or they find him at Starbucks and he orders a double latte and the person's like, calf or decaf? And he goes, calf, 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 (laughs) which I thought was awesome. So he gets a double latte.
1: So he drinks coffee and then taste happens.
0: No, even before that, they give it to him in a cup. He's like, what is this? And they're like it's a cup. It's for holding liquids, and the top is so that it doesn't spill. And he like genius, and he tries to drink it. They have to like explain to him to like drink out of the hole in the cup. He's like, it's so simple yet so effective. And a pretty elegant design. I mean, it is. It's true. Um, um, and then he drinks it, and I was actually surprised because I felt like we don't really see the effects of the caffeine on him. Yeah, you know, like I was expecting him to bounce off the walls.
1: I mean, he kind of does, but it's not like, but like in a normal I, I thought because it was. Yeah. yeah, it's a normal axe thing. He's, yeah. he's at an axe level, not caffeinated axe.
0: Exactly. Level. So I was, I was surprised, but but also I guess this is kind of our first big scene with him. So like at this point, I don't know if we would know the difference between normal axe and caffeinated axe. So like, That's why bother point. putting it? You know.
1: Yeah, I see what you're saying. Anyway, so he gets a Radio Shack. Yep. And then he gets everything he needs except for a Z Space transponder. So yeah. we uh, get an right. explanation of what zero space is. Uh, it's the opposite of true space, anti-reality. Uh, thanks a lot, Kia Applegate. I was that was really it. helpful.
0: Well, but I mean, X is a kid, right? So he could be yeah. he could be giving them a simplified explanation or he could be
1: wrong. That's true. I'm willing to, to go along with that. Um, so yeah, then he runs off towards the food court. and then we have the, the cinnamon bun encounter.
0: Yeah, so he That's so it. he goes to the food court and he's stealing everyone's food. He's just shouting like "taste" <laughs> as he takes people's food from tables, and he's like, he looks, he just looks like a kid right now, just doing that. Thankfully, and then he discovers a cinnamon bun. A cinnabun. Is the is the food item called a cinnabun?
1: Um, if you get it from Cinnabun. Okay, so, so I guess he So discovers... if you get it, so Cinnabun, B-O-N, is the chain. Yeah. But I think they sell Cinnabun's B-U-N. Oh, weird. Anyway, these, this is a technicality. Um, okay, well, this how... This is just why our podcast is so good. It's because we really dive deep into the...
0: Wait, so what... Okay, but what is the thing that he gets?
1: It's a Cinnabun. Okay. B-U-N.
0: Okay. So X <laughs> gets a Cinnabun. And then... Has it and it's amazing. And then, like, mall cops accost him. Yeah. And then, oh, because earlier when he was done with the coffee, he was like, What should I do with this? And they were like, Oh, you can just throw it away. So he just threw it because that's what he thought that meant. There you go. So now he's done with the Cinnabon. So he just throws it because that's what he thinks you're supposed to do. And then it lands on the cop's face. And then X runs away.
1: And then a foot chase um, yeah, kind of ensues. Axe is like demorphing while uh, being foot chased. And then as he is becoming more and more Andalite, a controller cop spots him and then draws a gun. But and then... these are
0: like real police now for some reason. Yeah. Not just mall. like cops. mall cops, which is weird because how did that happen? But whatever.
1: And then gets their hand chopped. Um, and then, kind of everyone's after them, so they duck into a grocery store.
0: So yeah, so they're in a grocery store. Someone, I think Marco decides that they should morph the lobsters that he sees in a tank
1: to hide. Yeah,
0: yeah, to hide from the people. Mm-hmm. And then, can you see my notes? No. Okay, cause you, cause you keep saying the exact like the exact phrase that's in my notes, and it really. I think feels we like just you're... wrote
1: down the exact phrase. Probably. Um.
0: Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I wrote okay. down they run into a grocery store and morph lobsters to hide.
1: I wrote they duck into a grocery store and morph lobsters to hide, so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Although duck wasn't, I think run is better, but anyway, whatever. <laughs> we do not have to go into this. Actually, I had this thought. It seems like a waste. We have all these notes for nothing and we could like flesh out the Seropedia entries or post these online for our listeners to look at. But then I was like, that that's dumb.
0: That would, the benefit would be. Fall on no one.
1: Yeah, that's true. We already have no listeners, and the subset of our no listeners who would read our notes is very small, I think. Zero. Zero, yes, math- mathematically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so they morph lobster to hide, and normally or often when I'm reading Animorphs, I kind of like skip over the morphing scenes Mm -hmm. or not not like skip over but just kind of speed read you're
0: like yeah yeah they morph
1: yeah yeah they morph okay i get it but anyway i thought that this was like a particularly Mm -hmm. gross morphing scene so i was wondering if we could have a semi-dramatic reading
0: Ooh, semi-dramatic well although this morphing scene is like nothing compared to the later one in this book but Yeah. yeah
1: well i think this um well there's actually a particular sentence okay Do you want to read this? Maybe in a dramatic narration voice.
0: I looked over at Jake. His eyes were gone, replaced by little black BBs. Ew! As I watched, eight spindly blue insect-like legs erupted from his chest.
1: That was was one of them that I thought was really gross. Keep going. Sorry. Ah!
0: I yelped in (laughs) shock. Jake's face seemed to open up to split open into a complex mess of
1: valves. That was, that got me. That, I was like, that, no, 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 that's, that's bad. I think I I would have
0: thrown up seeing that. Except that I also no longer had a mouth. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But the face splitting open into a complex mess of valves. That, that really hit me. You know, I can like shrinking, no big deal. Guts turning. Fine, but face splitting open into a mess of valves. Except do lobster like,
0: faces really look like that?
1: I mean, yes. Evidently. <laughs> um, I think it is probably a little bit like tryptophobia. Um, the like feeling that I get when I think about a face splitting open into a complex mess of valves.
0: Because I don't know if I would call this valves, but I guess.
1: I mean, it could be like, that's just what... The... I looked up
0: a picture of a lobster. Oh,
1: God. Okay, oh. you
0: don't like it. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, my Lord. Whew,
1: that's bad. Anyway, I thought this was a good example of a really gross morphing scene, of which there are many, but, you know, it's yeah. always good to take the time to really read one of them. Just get into it. Yeah. Really get into the complex mess Yeah, just really work it. We can be done with that that morphing scene if you want.
0: That's fine with me. So they So they're lobsters now. So they they just, like, get sleepy because something happens to them. They, like, don't have any memory of anything that happens in between basically morphing a lobster and waking up.
1: Yeah, they just go from, like, experiencing lobster consciousness to being picked up and then then sleeping. And then the astute reader has uh, realized that they are being bought yeah so they well or it up. is
0: revealed to the less astute reader yeah. in like one paragraph so it's exactly fine. yeah
1: so they they have been bought they wake up with seven minutes left and are be, about to be boiled
0: seven and, minutes left in their oh yeah yeah and morph. Thing. yeah
1: and then are about to be boiled they demorph
0: they're just demorphing though because they're like oh we have seven minutes left we should demorph not yeah. even because they're like we're about to be boiled because they can't see so and they're they... just so they just demorph and then Marco's like, "Oh, also, I'm about to die."
1: Cuz <laughs> he feels the steam.
0: Also, as soon as he starts demorphing and like realizes that there's steam coming up, he starts screaming, which I thought was a possible nod to that thing where like lobsters when you boil lobsters, they make that like screaming sound. Oh,
1: I didn't know that. Yeah, they do. Interesting.
0: People say that it's like, "Oh, the lobsters are screaming cuz that's when they die," but I'm pretty sure it's the sound of like like the air and the and the water like escaping through their bodily holes and stuff and so it like makes a, kind of like a when a tea kettle boils and stuff. Yeah, it's like I a whistling see. sound. Interesting. Um. Anyway, but that. so Marco screams and I was thinking like, oh, the woman was probably expecting a scream, but not like a human scream. <laughs> anyway, so that was interesting. But so they all demorphs another human and the woman is just like confused.
1: And then they are like, oh, it's just a dream. So they're
0: like, no, you can't. Just forget it's this ever happened. It's
1: just a dream.
0: Don't tell anyone.
1: So um, it cuts uh, Marco having a nightmare about the lobster encounter. And uh, he dreams about Jake exploding into a lobster. Um, and then his dad wakes him up.
0: Oh, he was so sad.
1: I know. I know.
0: His dad wakes him up and Marco's like tossing and turning from the bad dream. And he's like, Mom? And silence and then the voice says no and then i don't know it's just this thing like you can't really apologize for saying that but like yeah and then he and then he was like oh sorry did i wake you up and his dad's like no i was awake and it's like 3 18 a.m yeah and then the dad like doesn't even go to bed after that like he just goes back to watch more tv yeah and he's just gonna fall asleep in his chair and it's like
1: Yeah, so this is kind of when we get backstory about yeah Marco's dad and how he's been faring since his mom died. Um, And it's bad. It's really bad.
0: Yeah, it's really bad.
1: I don't know. I guess I don't, like, very fortunately, I don't really have a good sense of, like, in reality, what happens when there's, like, a sudden death of your spouse.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a long time to spend doing nothing and just sitting and watching TV and stuff and and like be, you know being depressed being depressed for actually there's a cut up, so when you're diagnosing depression mm-hmm. if they're grieving and it's less than this much time since the person passed away that's not depression mm-hmm. if that or it's not like classified as the same thing as a depressive Depressing. episode in other it's just a it's bereavement because like bereavement is thought to be like more normal i guess or more like yeah. typical but i guess if you somebody would also probably say that like if you're in the state of bereavement for you know years yeah that is not typical and like would
1: that that's just depression at that point
0: yeah i I mean i think yeah yeah so anyway so yeah uh, it's so sad i know but so now we know what why marco needs to get groceries sometimes
1: and why he has to sneak into the the gardens
0: yeah yeah
1: so So we cut to act's who has completed the distress beacon, which is useless without the Z-Space transponder. So they're kind of fretting about that. And then, uh, oh, Cassie gives Jake a side hug, which kind of mellows Jake out. But then Marco is, like, aggravated by this a little bit.
0: Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah.
1: So then Tobias suggests um, stealing from Chapman to get the Z-Space transponder.
0: And then what I thought was interesting is Rachel... Is like, nope, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do anything that would threaten Melissa. We're not doing yeah. that. Because we like Rachel. we keep talking about Rachel and how she and even, you know, Marco was saying, like, oh, she's so trigger happy, she would be wearing a suit of armor and wielding a sword or whatever. Yeah. And but this is like like when does Rachel ever say no for the sake of preserving someone's safety, you know?
1: Yeah. So then they decide they're not gonna more fluffer McKitty. They've already been ID'd. They don't want to endanger Melissa. Um, So they say, think smaller.
0: Yeah, so Cassie is is like, oh, well, what if we did something else? What if we didn't even have to, you know, enter into the house? Or she says something weird like that. They're like, what do you mean? And then she's like, I'm talking about ants. And then I, as somebody who has read this book before, was like, oh, my God.
1: I know. The ants. Oh, the ants.
0: But I was thinking about, like, being a first-time reader because mm-hmm. as somebody who has read all the books i feel like the ants morph sticks out in my mind yeah but if you're a first-time reader i don't think there's any reason to think that anything bad is going to happen before like, they going into flee. the ants i know yeah. yeah
1: well jake himself is like i was a flea that was no big thing Hilarious. yeah
0: but marco has this whole yeah that was good <laughs> marco has this whole like sense of foreboding yeah which i thought was interesting he's because not an optimist. Yeah, but but he's right. But I thought it was interesting because there isn't really a reason to think it's going to be bad. Because, yeah, they've done flea. I don't remember if they've done other small things yet, but it was fine.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. Oh, and also in this scene, um, Marco reveals that Sunday is the two-year anniversary of his mom's death. And we get some more backstory about how she sailed out into the ocean um, and they never find her body. Which reminds Marco of Axe's parents how if Axe, like, is unable to go home, they just won't find Axe's body. So that kind of convinces him to, to do it.
0: Which is also interesting because, I guess if you're listening to this, you've read this book, and so you know that in reality his mom was out in space. And he hit the line he says is something like, oh, the ocean is a really big place, and so is outer space. Yeah. And... It's interesting because then he talks about, you know, Axe's family being away in outer space. But really, that's what happened to his mom, too. You know
1: what I mean? Yeah, and Axe was under the sea.
0: And Axe was under the sea? Oh, that's so true. Wow, look at that. Anyway. That's very interesting.
1: Nice one. Can't
0: Yeah. So cut to the backyard of Chapman's neighbor's house.
1: Chapman is at a sharing meeting and then they decide to morph Ant.
0: And they've already acquired it, so they're really just here to like do the morphing, get in, get out. Yeah. Um,
1: it's horrifying. We already, did, we already covered the lobster stuff, so we don't need to go into this, maybe. But um, so they
0: morph Ant. It's very scary. I didn't actually, I don't know, maybe it's because I've already read this book. I didn't really get it. They were like, ah, oh, it was so scary. I never want to do that ever again. But I wasn't getting chills from the yeah. description of the Ant morph yeah. this time around. I don't know how yeah. you felt about it.
1: The morphing part or the whole part? Being an ant. Oh, yeah? Even the no self part? Is that what you're talking
0: about? Yeah. Because I actually, when I was, before I reread it, in my mind, I was thinking that the ant morph was like really difficult to control. But then when I was reading it, it kind of seemed like it was pretty easy to control. You know?
1: Yeah. I had a similar experience in that I had remembered it like they were fighting it like the whole Mm -hmm. time. Mm Mm-hmm. But, and
0: like they succumbed to the ant yeah. brain, and like they couldn't do anything about it.
1: Yeah. So so I, I I'm with you there, but the part where they have no self, mm-hmm. thinking about not having a self gives me the heebie jeebies. Mm-hmm. I think it's really hard to write that yeah. sense because that's you can never imagine that. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay, so so yeah, so they're in Chapman's house and Marco demorphs it. Um, there's a computer, which is... A, oh, yeah. And it gets... The desktop or whatever gets projected into the air. Mm-hmm. And then Marco <laughs> opens a folder by tapping on it. And then they see that...
0: Oh, and Axe is like, you can use a computer? And Marco's oh. like, yes. <laughs> we do have computers.
1: <laughs> oh, Axe. Um, and then uh oh and they find out viscer one is visiting soon
0: yeah yeah which i i really thought that this was going to be like foreshadowing to a future book i didn't even realize that was this book
1: oh my wow uh, how did you think that
0: well because i was like that's so much action for one book
1: i know we already had the ants and the lobsters i know axe gets the transponder then they morph back and are able to carry the transponder with their ant strength um, but then they run into a tunnel full of enemy ants. Yeah, bad. so this is the That's
0: the bad. scene that I was remembering. Yeah, except, yeah. Although I guess in my mind there was like a little bit more ant control, a little bit less Marco control. But anyway, whatever. So they. Uh, it's bad. Everybody is killing everything.
1: Yeah, they're just dying because the ants are like a wave. The Marco animals. gets
0: bitten in half.
1: Oh, they, they pull off one of his legs by the roots. It's just like a huge horrific scene where they're biting off people's legs. And I think they they're were like biting to... through his
0: abdomen, right? Yeah, they're biting through his abdomen. Like, they're trying to been literally cut in half.
1: Pe- pull him apart. Oh, ants. So they morph out. Um they climb out of the ground like climbing out of a grave. I thought that was that was pretty good. Um, oh i do have a question actually
0: yes you know how they use so they it says that like the ants are stabbing them and like the venom yeah um do you think that when they morph human this is just a theoretical
1: question but do you Mm
0: -hmm. think that the ant venom is still in them
1: my guess would be yes i mean later marco finds like the head of an ant Mm -hmm. clinging to him so that makes me think yes although i i get that it's like inside you versus outside you
0: So do you have the same blood when you're morphing?
1: Well, no. What happens when you morph is there's a pluripotent stem cell inside of you that, like, grows into you and eats all the other cells.
0: Yeah, doesn't that mean that you would have different blood?
1: Yeah, I mean, you have ant blood until you have human blood.
0: Yeah, so he wouldn't have the venom inside him still. I
1: was just wondering. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you think it would be eaten by the...
0: I don't know. That's what I'm asking.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know.
0: Okay, that's fine. All right, I was we can just leave curious. Okay.
1: Okay, so they morph out Clamia, um, and then they pick up the transponder.
0: And everyone's traumatized.
1: Yeah, everyone's. I'm kind of traumatized after discussing it.
0: Rachel is like stomping down the the grass to make sure that it's even again. Yeah, I'm not but like she's, killing these ants out of revenge. But she also happens to be just like crushing all the ants that were there.
1: Oh, so there is a kind of theory of morphing thing I wanted to bring up. So Marco says, next step down the evolutionary ladder is, is a virus. A virus. Yeah, I was thinking I was about like, that too. Can they morph a virus? It would invalidate my theory of morphing, which is that, you know, it happens through stem cells. So I don't well, think, and viruses aren't technically alive. Wait, I don't know how on. you want to. But they
0: do have DNA. So wait, I, I have a question. Sometimes. Your theory about stem cells... Where does the stem cell come from?
1: So when they acquire an animal, they acquire
0: one stem cell. One
1: stem cell that is pluripotent and mm-hmm. stays around in their bloodstream, mm-hmm. potentially sometimes sloughing off some, leaking some DNA. Why not? Um, and then when they morph, that stem cell like just becomes the animal, and like I guess transforms. It's like when you're pregnant. Yeah, your mass becomes its mass, basically. And then, except for that your excess mass goes to zero space, and if need be, you pull mass from zero space. So that's my theory of morphing in a nutshell.
0: So, let's see. Could you do that with a virus? You could acquire a virus and then just have the virus cell, the virus, I guess, just the virus, in your blood. But isn't that just the same as being infected with a virus?
1: Yeah, if you were to transform into a virus, in my theory of morphing, there is no way to get back because there is no, like, you don't have inside blood. of a virus. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, you know, viruses are so small compared to a cell um, that, you know. But can you like...
0: only morph things that have blood then?
1: I think you can only morph things that have cells, multiple cells. I'm not sure if you can only morph things that have blood. That's an interesting question, I think.
0: Because Viscera 3 morphs like all these different aliens.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're all big enough so that they're, you know, multicellular. Because they all have cells. Wait,
0: but... Yeah, wait. But I see no reason in the text why they would be unable to morph, like, a single-celled organism.
1: I mean, there's the fact that you might not be able to concentrate on a single-celled organism. You know? It's yeah. probably impossible. You can't... Can you visualize... Well, Maybe. I
0: don't know. What if you put I okay, I'm in a hypothetical scenario now. Okay. Let's say Cassie has a microscope. Yep. They aim the microscope at their hand mm-hmm. and they see because you know, Cassie or Rachel or somebody smart like points the microscope at a single celled organism on their hand or whatever, mm-hmm. and then they concentrate on it. So let's yeah. pretend the vision part isn't a problem.
1: Okay. Um I think I don't know. I think in the text, there is no reason why that could not happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But in my specific theory of morphing, that could not happen. Mm -hmm. And they never, you know, do something that invalidates my specific theory of morphing. Please write in if you (laughs) would like to contradict me.
0: Because your theory of morphing is in order to be able to morph something, it needs to be more than one cell.
1: Right. So because you need to be able to bring along your human stem cell, right? Does and that it may sense? or
0: may not need to have blood also.
1: Right. I just, you know, because there needs to be a place for the stem cell. Yeah. All right. So that covers the next step down the evolutionary ladder as a virus. Can so,
0: yeah. So the next scene is Marco's like, numb. He goes to school the next day. I thought this next scene was very interesting because... You know how I feel about watching Rachel's character development. So we're at school the next day, and there's, like, some girl, Jessica.
1: Ugh, Jessica. Who's,
0: like, we all have a Jessica in our lives, I think. But she's just that girl who um, is just a little bit annoying and, like, thinks she's better than you. She's probably, like, really popular or thinks she's really popular or something. But whatever. So she, like bumps into Rachel or something in, like, an accidentally on-purpose way, I think. Mm-hmm. And then Rachel's like, what are you doing? And then she's like, and then Rachel, like, pins her down against a table and, like, flips out, basically. And I thought that was really interesting because I felt like the ant-morphing experience, which was kind of the clear, one of the clear triggers for this mm-hmm. outburst from Rachel, I thought the ant-morphing experience seems like it, it was kind of a pivotal thing in rachel's change from oh we shouldn't do that we shouldn't do anything to threaten uh melissa's safety to mm-hmm. i'm gonna cut you bitch you know
1: <laughs> yeah
0: like give me a reason to kill you and i will kill you you know
1: yeah i mean i i do love i, I do love watching her flip out well um, i mean
0: i i'm more interested in the character development
1: I mean, I guess what this what this is for me, it's just like justice porn. Not really, but kind of. What's in justice that, porn? It's like when you're like, oh, yes, that guy who was evil got oh, murdered. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so it's not actually porn. Okay. No. No. All right. So what this is for me is like, imagine me in middle school being like, yes, the power. She's in middle school yet. Yeah, she's so powerful. I wish I could be like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just imagining myself pushing people who picked on me into tables and, like, yeah. threatening them in a really badass, cold voice. I wonder if the and reason I'm, we... I love that.
0: I wonder if the reason we see this differently is because you got picked on more than I did in middle school.
1: Oh, so I'm like, possible. oh, she's
0: cracking under the stress. And you're, like, and you're like,
1: yes! Yes, crack under the stress! Show her who's boss! Crack other people too. Um, <laughs> okay, but the character development, I think, is more interesting.
0: Well, I mean, I always think it's more interesting. No, I, th- I
1: think it's more interesting in, like an, uh, like, an active reading sort of way. Active reading.
0: So, anyway, they... Marco ends up, like, as being kind of part of the fight because he gets slapped. He's kind of just in the crossfire, but whatever. So, Rachel, Marco, and Jessica all end up in, surprise, surprise, the vice principal's office.
1: Nice.
0: This time it's his office, not his, his study.
1: Not his, uh... Skype basement. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, but uh, Marco kind of diffuses the tension by making a joke, which was weird, because why would that diffuse to, like, you're in the vice principal's office, and the vice principal going to give you shit for that? But whatever.
1: I think it diffused the racial tension. Yeah, diffused the racial tension. Which is, she's the most dangerous one in this office. And that is true. She can always morph elephant and stomp out Jessica.
0: And then... Uh, yes. Rachel and Marco have kind of a nice tender moment where she's like, keep making jokes because sometimes I hate it, but it's important to do that.
1: Yeah, I, I really love the their relationship and I think it's like...
0: The Rachel-Marco relationship? Yeah,
1: I think it's highlighted nicely here.
0: I mean, yeah, I, it's interesting because... Well, yeah, I feel like it's Kay Applegate saying, hey, this is why I have a comic relief character.
1: Yeah, it's for a reason. Yeah, that's that's a not point. just to be funny. I didn't think about that, but yeah.
0: Oh really? Yeah, that, I didn't. Think I of felt like, like that was the that main as purpose. Like Kay
1: I, yeah, I...
0: and yeah, we we'll, we will probably have moments like that for every character, where you basically are like, "Oh, this is this is Kay Applegate being like, this is why this character, this type of character is important." Like the calculating Marco, the strong assertive Jake, the yeah. fearless Rachel, and the yeah. empathetic. Cassie.
1: Jake with the confident chin.
0: Yeah. Wait, who said that?
1: Marco. And when he's dropping all this anamorphs knowledge. Oh. Like Jake has a confident chin.
0: That is like once you say that you know what what Jake I know, is like. I,
1: mean, I know what Jake is like now. So then then they're gonna do the thing. It's What's time. the thing? It's time to set off the distress beacon in a gravel quarry. Yeah, oh.
0: the gravel quarry didn't really play that strongly. Into yeah, do this but like whatever
1: abandoned church in book two that was
0: then. an abandoned church
1: they once met in an abandoned church
0: oh yeah right
1: um oh, oh so this was a, a cassie and jake and marco moment that i was gonna bring up so after the meeting mm-hmm. marco is gonna walk home with jake and he's mm-hmm. like waiting for jake to finish to say
0: goodbye to cassie yeah yeah finish
1: saying goodbye to cassie yeah that strikes me as like a very real moment in that i think i've encountered that you know It's like there's a middle school couple who's like, they're not driving yet. Mm -hmm. They want to squeeze in this couple time in this uh, precious few seconds. And then there's like.
0: And then the bus comes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You're Uh, like waiting for
0: the bus home from school, but like first you're going to hang out with your crush for like five minutes
1: or something like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So as they, as Marco and Jake are walking back from this meeting, um, Marco says to jake like this is the last one i'm gonna do i've already done a lot of stuff i really care about not dying for a lot of reasons but mostly because my dad is really sad and whatever Mm -hmm. and jake is very like no problem understanding yeah i actually thought it was interesting that jake is very um like quiet in this book Mm -hmm. he doesn't say that much and even in the like private conversations between marco and jake and and we'll get to this at the end of the book but marco will be like Jake, I I want you to know this thing, okay? And Jake's like, okay. And Marco's yep, like, good. seriously, this I'm like, do it this way. And Jake's like, okay. Sounds no good. Problem. Yeah. And Marco's like, do you understand? Because I really don't want you to. And Jake's like, yep. You know. It's that so, confident chin. But it's so different from like when Jake's narrating. Obviously. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think that's the beauty of the animorphs. Well, that's not the beauty of the animorphs, but that's one of the many things that I love about the animorphs. Is that we get to see the characters kind of from their own perspective and from other people's perspective?
0: Um, yeah, but I mean, I'm just I'm talking about the dialogue, not like oh, do you know what I mean? Like yeah, Jake is saying, saying fewer words, I think, in this book yeah. than he normally does.
1: Let Marco have. The but line Marco right?
0: talks a lot, so it's fun. yeah.
1: Maybe Mark. Maybe he is saying stuff, and Marco just not listening. <laughs> Marco doesn't even hear it. Yeah, <laughs> he's just yeah. So now we're about two thirds of the way in. So, time for the main mission to start. Classic. Um, yeah. So, the Animorphs are flying out to the gravel quarry. We're reminded what thermals are, again, by the way.
0: Oh, I missed that part.
1: Yeah, well, you know, thermals. Like it's elevated, when hot air rises. Warm air yeah. in, uh, yeah. As they demorph, Marco is kind of reflecting on his decision to quit, and is thinking about, like, oh, it's going to be my last mission. Then Axe sets off the beacon. And everyone else goes battle morphs.
0: Battle morphs.
1: Cue a bug fighter.
0: Um. Anyway, so then a bug fighter comes, and they're like, "This is a piece of cake." A hork Bajir comes out. They knock him down.
1: Yeah. Although Marco has this thought, "Is this too easy?"
0: Yeah. Marco, of course, being all, more yeah. like, pre, prescient. Prescient.
1: Prescient. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Marco being all prescient. Prescient. Um,
0: yeah. Yes. yeah. That's that's the one. i
1: wonder if it's too easy, and it is. So there you go. And then they get surrounded, I guess, by Hork-Bajir who are armed with dragon beams at the top of the quarry.
0: Yeah. So Vistor 3... wants to
1: charge them for some reason. Oh really? Yeah. She's like, well, let's Plastic. just let's just charge them. Do it. No, I don't think so. And then Vistor Three
0: bad. does his like. I don't like him. I like his speeches. Yeah. He's like, huh? You think we never change our frequency? He's like very gloaty.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah. Which is he's nice a, he's a great villain. So li- they use
0: the they use like an old frequency on their on yeah. The transponder. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's why they alerted people that it was mm-hmm. a, a fake. Oh, oh. So there was a phrase I liked.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So let's see. Oh, he's he says, "Visor Three is evil, but not like ants are evil. Oh, Visor Three is a warm-blooded, deliberate evil, and I like the that kind of turn of phrase, like warm-blooded evil." Because I feel like... um, People
0: usually say cold-blooded.
1: People are always like, oh, cold-blooded. And they mean that, like, to... They use that in conjunction with evil. So I think warm-blooded is kind of a, you know... It doesn't get said that often, which is nice. And it, like, is a nice contrast with the normal villain describing language, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's really good. Cold-blooded is like... Oh, I have no care for your human emotions. You know what I mean? But yeah. he's like, oh, yes, I love it. This is awesome. I love killing people. Oh, you know? I can't
1: wait to get you into my torture chambers.
0: Exactly. He's like, Yeah. Although the other thing is he's the other way in which he's not cold-blooded is I feel like cold-blooded villains are usually much more calculating.
1: Yeah, he kind of just like throws cunning. his weight around.
0: Yeah. And he's yeah. like, I'm just gonna kill them. Gonna Why reach. not just
1: kill it harder? <laughs> so... Um, they're doing the thing where they don't talk to Visor Three because they oh, don't yeah. want him to find out. But that But Axe didn't get the memo. Yeah, well, Axe is so outraged at a Yurk being present. He's like Yurk, um, and which how I does, love.
0: How does Visor Three get from that that he's a kid, or is it just from looking at him?
1: Oh, he looks small for you know because Visor Three knows what Andolite size oh, is. Oh yeah, like. I guess yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So then they're ordered into the blade ship at and Point marco is kind of having this thought where he is imagining himself dying and nobody being found just like his mom
0: right because th- this is you already said like viscer three comes and it's like oh i'm gonna show you guys to my guest yes so this is where the moment that i've been waiting for happens okay because cassie and jake have a moment together mm-hmm. and marco says something about like he's sad that he doesn't have anybody to have a moment with yeah. in this time where he's about to die. And obviously, this is the same kind of theme that's been building throughout this book.
1: Yeah, it's like Marco's
0: yeah. third wheeling all the time. Mostly like, with Cassie and Jake. Yeah,
1: It's pretty subtle in this book, I think.
0: Yeah, but, but I also, yeah, I didn't remember that mm-hmm. until reading it. And it just kind of makes me feel even more sad about Marco's whole life. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, it's not You cool. know, if only he had somebody.
1: Well, they have each other, but some of them have each other more than yeah, others. Yeah, exactly. I know? guess he has Jake. So they dock with the mothership, and then they see that there are like two types of uniformed troops mm-hmm. walking around. And then Visser 1. Yeah,
0: wait, hold on a sec. Yeah, so red is whose? Viscer 3. And brown is Viscer 1.
1: Brown is like nobody there's support personnel gold is because
0: gold is viscer one okay yeah so brown is not the same as gold yeah ready so red is viscer three gold is Visser one. okay yeah cool.
1: all right we got it we got it yeah. okay and then viscer one comes out and it's marco's mom Ah! Uh, okay. mom. uh, the, moment, the moment i was gonna save this for, for the
0: spoiler section because i was like oh it's gonna be so great when we can talk about how viscer one is marco's mom but no 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 now we're in this it. book
1: we know we like we've been just
0: hold- started talking about marco's listeners, mom listeners
1: we've been holding this back from you for four books and we're so excited to proudly present to you that viscer one is marco's mom oh, it's
0: gonna be so awesome it's yeah gonna be so awesome anyway but marco just freaks the fuck out
1: yeah he falls over um jake is like
0: keep it together get Marco. It. also jake has done this before right
1: right with tom yeah
0: although he didn't think that tom was dead for two years
1: right and then jake is the only one who knows that it's marco's mom because he- I guess Jake is the only one who's seen Marco's mom mm-hmm. before. And then Visser 1 snaps her fingers and walks away with her gold troops.
0: And Visser 3 has this moment of like, hmm, it is so interesting that this one is the only one who talks. I wonder I wonder why that is. I wonder if there's something that they're hiding or uh, something no. that I don't... Okay, really. bye. See you guys Not later.
1: Really. <laughs> you sneaky andalites. A lot, I know. You know. It's book five you know i'm surprised they i don't know to me i guess i think it would be more powerful to like see a growing suspicion over the course of time i know yeah but it's kind of like he's just always kind of teetering on the brink here it makes been it that way for the past uh it
0: makes it not that believable you know what yeah, i mean exactly because he yeah because it's like seriously you've been thinking about this this whole time you've never seen them be analytes. Eh. I guess. Anyway. But they're probably Andalites. Yeah, they're probably Andalites. I mean, I guess it is true that Andalites are the only ones. Yeah, I guess it's like so
1: unthinkable that there would be anyone else who is morph capable. Yeah. Okay, so they are taken to a holding cell and then they're trapped again, which is a little bit of time left. Axe says grace is the acceptance of the inevitable. But then Marco makes a speech about resistance or something.
0: Yeah, wait, wasn't Marco the one that was like, well, even if we die, we still can't surrender? And I was like, that's... Okay, Marco. That's not how dying works, but that's fine. But yeah, but Axe was all... Earlier in this book, he was like, oh, we should fight, honor, yeah. never be afraid, because that's a coward's thing. But now he's like, grace is the acceptance of the inevitable, and we're just going to die.
1: So then they're like, maybe uh, we should go ant to find the crack in this thing. But then they don't need to thank goodness
0: i know i was like half expecting them to <laughs> but then i was like no that'd be terrible
1: okay um but then viscer then gold hork bajir show up they've neutralized the red guards and uh let them out with perfect english which i yeah i thought that was discuss with you.
0: i yeah well so when i was reading it i didn't get until this scene that they were viscer ones
1: yeah Oh, okay. So I was
0: like, what happened? But then I was like, oh, they're Visser (laughs) 1s. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they spoke like they were educated at Harvard.
1: Yeah, there you go. So they
0: all spoke with British accents, probably.
1: Or Boston accents. Or Boston accents. That would be awful.
0: Or both. Anyway.
1: I guess, is this because Visser 1 just educates her troops better? Are her troops just better educated? Um, I also had a thought that like maybe this is Visser one is like infesting the lead hork bajir right now because she wants to like personally let the andelites out and because she doesn't mm-hmm. trust this mission to like mm-hmm. a, a lieutenant
0: that's interesting i don't think she which would... would
1: explain kind of the perfect english probably no the i human
0: yeah that's true she is a human expert the only issue i have with that idea is that what would she do with her host body then like would she really let another yerk into that host body
1: just keep it chained up you know i mean they have holding cells you know where like mhm for when they're soaking up that kindrana of i don't know that's just like a
0: my thought was that Visser 1 is just more boss and so her her bajir controllers are just better i was i
1: yeah i like that theory too anyway write into us email us at I'll
0: think more about that if it's one thing.
1: Um, yeah, so like Diana was saying, the Animorphs kind of realize it's a political uh, move. And then they kind of march away.
0: Yeah, so then they have this epic battle escape scene.
1: Yeah. After the guard station, they're frantically trying to get to the elevators. Um, so they're having some, yeah, a nice battle scene. And Marco and Axe are both really excited to, to get to battle. Because they want to put the herd on the Yerks.
0: Yeah, kick some butt. Justice porn.
1: So then they then they get to the telepathic drop shaft. Um, yeah. They get to the escape pods. They morph out. Marco notices the joke of the mothership. His mother was on the ship. Oh. Uh, yeah. All right. I, I, Nothing escaped you by I guess. me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow.
0: Sorry. Delayed reaction. <laughs>
1: So then, cut to the denouement, which is one of my favorite parts about the Animorphs What spokes. is a denouement? Diana?
0: Well, would you like to explain to our listeners what a denouement is?
1: Okay, so it's after the climax of the story. There's like a little dip in the action where we kind of like catch up with what the characters are doing.
0: Also called the falling action. Also like called if the stories falling have action. Rising action Thank and then you, a Diana. climax and then the falling action. Yes. Um, the resolution, the return to status quo.
1: Yes. It's all of those things. And, you know, I'm a huge fan. I like it because of.
0: It feels good. You know, it, it feels, feels good. Didn't yeah. It feels good. Yeah. It feels nice. You're like, mm, oh, yeah. We got to the end of the book.
1: Yeah. And it's like, well, I guess we're back at the Dursleys right now. That's fine.
0: Well, usually yeah. in Harry Potter, I think it's like the, the, the last train. day of school or whatever.
1: The train back is also... It's
0: like as he's getting on, on the train home. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. then the summer is part of the next book.
1: Yeah. I do love the like way Harry Potter books always start out with like a really chill kind of summer vibe. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: We're going to go to the zoo. Yeah. Anyway.
1: Okay. So they're at the graveyard mourning, I guess. Marco and his dad are at Yes. The sorry. Marco and his dad are at the graveyard. They're mourning Marco's mom. So Marco's describing the graveyard, and he said, it's nice, and I hate going there. Yeah, I, I was saw nice. that. That was pretty good. Oh, and his dad tells him that he's going to go back to work, because he's thought about how Marco's mom would not be happy, how he's been acting, basically, for the past two years.
0: Yeah, which is probably true. You know, I mean, assuming yeah. she's, like, a nice person and a good mom.
1: And then Marco kind of poetically looks at this guy, and is like, someday.
0: Yeah. Yeah i really like the marco and his dad scenes they're very nice
1: so what was your when you first read this book Mm -hmm. do you remember what your thoughts were about what you thought about marco's character before this book and after this book what you thought about his mom being dead when you believed with marco that she was dead
0: so the first thing that you were asking was, how did this book affect how I saw Marco's character? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um. So this book was what convinced me that I'm in love with Marco. Ooh. Because prior to this book, he was like comic relief. Yeah. And in this book, I got to see that he's actually tortured too. Which you love. Which I do love. Well, you know how I feel about Tobias, right? It's like the same thing. Oh, yeah. Thing.
1: They're both so great.
0: So, yeah. And having like the big the big reveal and now he's keeping the secret that is actually his mom that like it makes it so much juicier you know than the because I feel like a lot of kids and young adult stuff has the like oh and my mom died and everything's so sad now and like that's it yeah you know yeah. like there's always a kid whose parent died in like mm-hmm. books and movies but this is so much more than that and so I had gone into the book thinking that it was going to be another one of those kind of tropes but now it's like a whole plot Not even a plot device, it's like a central plot point. It is definitely a central Um, plot point. So that was cool. That was how I viewed his character. And then what was your other question about the mom?
1: Yeah, I guess guess you kind of answered it in that you said, like, you viewed his mom being dead as a a trope.
0: Yeah. Once he had the monologue where he was kind of explaining how she died and stuff, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, this is kind of more exposition than you usually give if it's just like oh she died and now it's just me and my dad you yeah. know what i mean
1: the classic thing i think is like killed by a drunk driver
0: yeah or like got sick or whatever or you right. just say she died like it doesn't yeah, matter she died. in movies and tv shows and stuff so yeah to do the whole thing like oh i guess they had a boat like all these details that i didn't know before i was like oh i wonder if she was killed by the Yerks or something or like I, you know yeah, i see so there was like a little bit but i definitely didn't expect the reveal to be the same book as yeah. like when you first start thinking about it. You know so what, what
1: was your reaction when you were reading it for the first time? I don't know if you remember.
0: Oh, well, I I believe I told you how much I love Visser 1, right? When I was reading the se- Well, I also read the series so fast the first time. Um, I was reading like a book every few days. So I don't know if I can speak to like this particular book. But when I was first seeing Visser 1, I really, really liked her. I thought she was... A good example of, like, a strong female character. Mm -hmm. I really liked that she could just show up Visser 3. Like, she was just so much better, right? Yeah. Like, more competent. I was like, if I were an actor in an Animorphs movie, I would want to play Visser Mm 1. No questions asked. So, yeah. So, I really like her as a villain. I really like, with her and with Tom, I really like the whole the recurring theme of a character that's that we're really close to and who we care about a lot is a controller mm-hmm. and is evil. Yeah, I feel like it's clear at, at this point in the series that she will probably come back in future books at some point, and I was just, yeah. like, really excited for that.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah, I'm excited, too. I'm very excited.
0: It's like, oh, Visser 3 was just child's just play. Yeah, yeah, Visser 3 is like a level 1 villain, you know? <sighs> Visser 1 is so badass. You know, yeah. she's awesome.
1: Yeah. Uh did you wanna talk about anything to do with the book overall? I have a couple things I wanna talk about, but um do you have anything?
0: Well, I mean I think it's obviously a big Marco book. It's also a big Axe book.
1: That was what I wanted to talk about. Nice. Well um, what were you gonna say? Oh, I just wanna talk about Axe. How this is the first book that we see him in action.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so by the end of the book, I guess it becomes clear that like Axe is gonna be around for a while. Yeah. At the beginning of the book, they weren't treating it that way. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, he's this alien that we're gonna help get yeah. back home, and he's like speaking very formally. Yeah. He doesn't sound like a kid at this yeah. point, and he is talking about like battle and honor and how they should fight the Yurks and whatever. Mm-hmm. But when you get when when we have the scene at the mall, you like see Axe being a kid well a very strange kid and i think at in the last scene one of the last scenes where they're fighting together and marco's like i decided i liked x
1: yeah because he's because they're like fighting
0: together and they're like oh nice one you know i think you start to see that axe could be friends with them yeah which is cool
1: yeah oh um and they also often refer to axe as the andalite
0: oh i didn't even pick up on that yeah
1: you wouldn't say the human, you know? And I'm, I'm actually wondering if they stop doing that in later books.
0: Yeah. A
1: lot of the times in their exposition when they talk about Elfanger, they'll say the Andalite. And then when Axe is like doing stuff, instead of using he pronouns, it sometimes is written the Andalite. That's um, very interesting. Yeah. I feel like
0: now that there are two Andalite characters, Elfengor and Axe. I feel like it would be difficult to refer to both of them as the Andalite.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Because then you'd be like, which? Which one?
1: Yeah, so I think Axe gets some nice development here.
0: And then it's also a a good Rachel book, for reasons already
1: discussed. Right. Okay. Do you have anything else you want to add about this book overall before we do our close reading exercise? Yeah. Can Can you choose a random number between 1 and 152? Actually, between one and one
0: hundred and fifty. You got it. Elijah, un numero entre uno y ciento cinquenta.
1: Muy bien. Thanks.
0: 25.
1: 25. All
0: right.
1: Twenty-six. Twenty-five. Oh, oh my God.
0: Cinco is five.
1: Right, yeah. That's getting cut. Um. Okay. All right, so for readers, for listeners who might not have been with us before, we're going to close read. Can you you just, can you do it?
0: Okay, we picked a page at random in the book. Then on that page, we pick a sentence. We're going to read the sentence, then we're going to analyze it.
1: Yeah. Yes, exactly. We're going to do a close reading of that. Page 25. We kind of talked about this page already. I mean, we definitely talked about this part, you know.
0: And this part,
1: yeah, exactly. So I was and thinking, this part. yeah. So I think we could do this sentence, mm-hmm. possibly this sentence, and possibly these two sentences, or possibly those two sentences. What do you think? That one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Would you do the honors? Sure. So for context, this
0: is um, towards the beginning of the book. They're going over the plan to go to Radio Shack so that Axe can get the parts that he wants. And the quotation is, Jake was looking pretty stony-faced, which is how he looks when he's not sure if something will work.
1: Cool. Nice. So we'll discuss this sentence first in the context of just the books we've read so far. Then we're going to head to the spoiler zone. The spoiler zone. Thank you. We should just get like a button that we can press and it plays that. But
0: why get a button when you have me?
1: Um, well, I don't know. We could take this solo. Maybe he tragically the died. Room. Who knows? <laughs> so, yeah, then we'll discuss it in the context of the entire series, including the spoilers. Jake was looking pretty stony faced, which is how he looks when he's not sure if something will work. Is it stone faced? I think I've heard
0: stone faced. I think before. I've heard stone faced. I'm gonna Google it. Yeah. Oh, no, it is a word. Stony face. Stony face. OK. Showing no emotion, looking very serious or gloomy.
1: Which is how he looks when he's not sure if something will work.
0: Well, it is interesting that because like Marco knows him so well, right? I feel like yeah. being stone faced is like I'm not going to show any emotion. Mm-hmm. But Marco is like. I know what that means. I
1: know. It's interesting that it's not quizzical. That's how I would expect someone to look when they're not sure if something will look. Or looking, yeah, Yeah.
0: pensive or conflicted.
1: Yeah. So I guess if we want to take this farther than we perhaps ought to, we could say that that is like Jake making sure he has a steady facade. Yeah, I was
0: thinking that. I was thinking that he's trying to be a leader. But yeah. Marco sees through it because Marco knows that, yeah. he's, that this is the yeah. face that he does when he's trying to be a leader, but he's actually yeah. not sure.
1: Or because Marco knows him so well and has known him for so long, including pre-Animorphs, pre-Jake, the Animorphs leader, mm-hmm. that like this is just one of his innate qualities is that he looks calm. Mm -hmm. When he's thinking, not necessarily that he's doing it for the benefits of the Animorphs, you know.
0: Yeah, that's possible. Although it could also be like, it's a widely known fact that Jake makes his face when he's not sure something's going to work. And Mark is just explaining it to us, the audience. You know what I mean?
1: Well, well, I mean, it is good that he's explaining it. Um, Because if you said Jake was looking pretty stony faced, I'd be like, oh, he's probably... um, He's probably resolute. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I think of stony-faced more as, like, gloomy than resolute, if that makes sense. Oh, uh, like, I usually of think of it as, like, gloomy.
0: no emotion. I'm like, I'm just going to do it.
1: Interesting. Yeah.
0: Um. Honestly, it could also just be another example of K.A. Applegate defining the word stony-faced for us, the more I think about it.
1: I mean, that I definitely... You know, I'm fine with your definition and my definition, but I, I'm not fine with this being the definition of stony-faced, you know?
0: Well, not, necessar- not necessarily defining, but, like, helping the young readers learn a new word, you know what that I mean? That is true,
1: yeah. I can, yeah, I'd, I don't think I would have heard of stony-faced before reading this mm-hmm. book. She does do that a lot. Yeah, she does. Which I like. Yeah. You know?
0: I think it's a, a good quality to have in a kid's book.
1: Yeah, that's true. Because um, that is, you know, how you learn. Um, okay. Oh, so I guess something I can say is that, um, we get this sentence after Marco lays out the whole plan, which is more of, we just laid out the whole plan, let's look to Jake. Mm -hmm. It's not like Marco's laying out the whole plan, then Tobias is looking like a hawk, you know? Yeah, cut to Jake, who's
0: the intended audience for this plan.
1: Um... Okay. Do you think we've kind of wrung the blood out of this stone? Yeah. We can give. Can we give like an outro now? An outro to the. Yeah,
0: I was thinking we could finish finish the. Okay. We could finish yes. the uh, no spoiler section. Okay. Well, anyway, thank you very much for that uh, analysis. Thank you. And this concludes the spoiler-free section of our show. Um, so if you. Uh, have not read the rest of the series we would encourage you to skip over this next track but uh thank you for listening and join us next time as we read animorphs number six the capture the capture any thoughts about the capture
1: i would say the capture is in our professional opinion a must-read book
0: okay it's a must-read book go read it come back we'll see you next time don't listen to the spoiler section yeah just you know kind of chill make yourself yeah. some tea and uh
1: some of the copies have like a teaser of the capture when they have like the couple selected pages from it oh yeah so maybe you already so read, read that a, a but pages. Or no. i don't know i yeah yeah read that be teased but uh until Tease yourself you... for next time <laughs>
0: Until you do read that next book, we've enjoyed this time together. All right. All right. And uh, have a wonderful Goodbye. evening.
1: Goodbye.